Growing up, Merlin wrote letters to the Tooth Fairy. But the Tooth Fairy was sometimes a little forgetful. So Merlin followed up. Dear Tooth Fairy, just a reminder. (laughs) My tooth is ready for the taking. (laughs) Dear Tooth Fairy, I have been waiting all week for you to come. (laughs) Please take my teeth. (laughs) There's seven exclamation points. That's Merlin tenaciously following up with the Tooth Fairy. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This, right now is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? It is very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Toronto in partnership with the Word on the Street Festival, we have a crash landing on planet Saturn, a life-changing haircut, heartbroken lyrics to a breakup song, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and by looking back at this stuff, it can help us understand who we were and who we are. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. When I was a kid, I was a big Star Trek fan. I owned VHS copies of all the Star Trek movies. I went to our local science fiction convention. I bought Star Trek paperback books and Star Trek action figures. I was that kid in my class. Our next reader, Chris, was also a pretty big Star Trek fan. And at our Toronto show, Chris shared two private journal entries, all about a dream she had that involved Captain Kirk and Spock. Heads up, it's a sex dream. Please welcome Chris to the Grown Ups Three Things They Wrote As Kids stage. All right, two journal entries. The first one is January 12th, 1997, so I was 16 years old. Last night, I dreamt that I lived around the time of Admiral Kirk in Star Trek The Motion Picture. I was on the Enterprise 1701 when I saw him, and we remembered that we fell in love 10 years before on the Enterprise. Suddenly, we're in love again. (laughs) Then the scenery changes to a garden forest at night, and my arms are around his neck, and I'm kissing his face madly. (laughs) He's carrying me vertically in his arms. He keeps trying to tell me something, but my kisses interrupt him. He keeps calling me NORAD. (laughs) I look different. I have long brown hair to my toes with streaks of blonde. Finally, he tells me that our love can never be. Because there's one thing he can never give me. He carries me to a pond. The water glistens in the moonlight. He walks into the pond and turns into a black panther. I sit down on the wet grass, and he gets out to walk beside a female Black Panther. They leave me. I smile. I walk back to where I think I was before. I feel empty without him, yet I'm happy he told me the truth. 
I end up hanging with Beavis and Butthead. And a girl who is so dumb, she doesn't recognize her own mother. I feel like crying because I had something so special and now I'm left with a bunch of dumb idiots. Then I woke up. It was a pretty good dream. Captain Kirk was so gorgeous 30 years ago. I wish I could go back to 1967 and sleep with him or something. He's such a babe. April 5th, 1997, 3.31 p.m. I just woke up five seconds ago. I haven't even set foot out of bed. I just had to tell you about what I dreamed about last night. I dreamt that I was in love with Spock. A young Spock. We're in this bathtub, a bubble bath. First, we're fighting, then we're making out because I kept touching him. I'm kissing his neck, and he's doing the same. When Captain Kirk looks at us, Spock makes sure to cover his emotions. (laughs) But we end up doing it. (laughs) Now I think Spock is so gorgeous. I also dreamt that Spock beat up this guy at school because he was going to kill someone else. I was so worried, but he was all right. And I dreamt that I was on a shuttle with Captain Picard and Wesley. The surroundings looked so real that it could have been an actual episode. Then Wesley said some inspirational words, and then we're on the Enterprise D. I'm in the captain's chair, and I think I'm Commander Riker. The Klingons show up in a Constitution-class ship, sort of. And we fight them with our torpedoes. Then I woke up. So... I don't know who won. (laughs) Toronto, I think it is fair to say the evening has gotten off to a deeply nerdy and sexy start. Our next reader, Luke, brought a few pieces of writing from grade eight. First, we'll hear a journal entry that Luke wrote to his teacher, and then we'll hear some poetry, also written for school. And the thing you need to know about Luke's poems is that he wrote them shortly after getting a haircut and having his afro cut for the very first time. So, some hair-related poetry, but first, a school journal entry written shortly after a drama class exercise. At the top of the page, I wrote, this was a marvelous experience, and then crossed it out. (laughs) Mondays are usually a little boring and tiring days because the weekend ended and now it's back to school. This Monday was different. I was woken to a fun, dramatic activity that stretched my smile from ear to ear. I really enjoyed this dramatic experience and the chance to move around like an animal. When I was in elementary school, I used to always move around like a leopard whenever I got the chance. (laughs) From out at recess to during gym, 
I had stopped since starting middle school, and this gave me a chance to act like a kid again. Well, more like a leopard. <laughs> as well as having a good time, I learned a few things. I learned that the term essence means the spirit of something. As pointed out by Cameron, he is brilliant if he chooses to be. <laughs> now back to drama. I also learned that to act on impulse is to act in the now spontaneously. I had a vague definition of impulse in my mind, but Chris cleared it for me. As I stated earlier, I very much enjoyed becoming the leopard. <laughs> it is indeed my favorite animal and like it as much as Jade likes polar bears. The leopard is a stealthy hunter at nature and is usually found relaxing in a tree when not hunting. But when confronted, a leopard takes to the trees, its safe place. In this case, the desk in the room which I leapt upon was the tree. <laughs> the only thing that was totally difficult was mastering the pounce of the leopard. But after a swollen thumb and a stubbed toe, I finally got it. There weren't really any dislikes on my part, except I wish for more time to be the leopard and explore its talents and energy. I think I moved extremely well as the leopard, and the fact that I knew a lot about it as well helped. I also pictured the forest well, a mass of trees that touched the sky, and exotic birds created a rainbow of colors. There was but one opening in which I saw the leopard sunbathing on a rock with the sun shining overhead. It was amazing. And now some poems. <laughs> I went to the barber's on Sunday. At one we left and were on our way. He started to cut. I said to stop, but he kept cutting and gave me no say. This one's a sinquane. Afro. Big. Puffy. Washing, touching, picking, on the barber's floor, hair. <laughs> and finally, a sonnet. <laughs> titled Afro. <laughs> you were the glue that held me together. The essence of my one and only soul. As much to me as birds to their feathers, with an afro, I had lots of control. With you, there was never need for pillows. I always used five pillows anyways. <clears throat> you were as rare as the great big willows. You always helped me drive the fear away. You gave me the amazing gift of height <laughs> and made me feel important in a crowd. Against the barber, I put up a fight. With you on my head, I felt very proud. In the end, I lost you. I dread that day. I loved you like a brother. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Thank you. Luke, everybody. 
If you heard in Luke's early writing a little bit of talent, you may not be surprised to learn that today he is a national champion spoken word artist. One more time for Luke. Luke wasn't the only reader at our Toronto show with an aptitude for lyric poetry. Our next reader, Debbie, shared some song lyrics she wrote in high school. And what you need to know is that when she wrote these song lyrics, Debbie had just been dumped by her high school boyfriend a month before prom. I know. (laughs) So I wrote this June 2nd, 1986 at 5.57 p.m. I called it a hate song instead of a love song. I only wrote the lyrics. As we walk alongside the lake, you've been drinking, you're on the make. You try to kiss my lips and undo my scarf. If you tell me that you love me again, I really think I'll barf. Cloud coverage hides part of the moon. You try to sing a love song, but you're so out of tune. I once thought you were sexy, but now I just scoff. Where you once could turn me on, babe, you just turned me off. Can't you see it? You've lost your appeal. Don't you know it? You're just no big deal. Can't you feel it? It cuts like a knife. You bother me, kid. Get out of my life. First you said you'd love me till the end. When we broke up, you said you'd be my special friend. Everything you told me has yet to come true. Why the hell did I ever listen to you? Thank you. Debbie, everybody. Our next reader, Ozma, shared two short pieces of fiction written in grades two and four. One of them is called Icy Water's Bad Day, and the other, a work of science fiction, is called Crash Landing on Planet Saturn. So the first one I'm going to read is Crash Landing on Planet Saturn. I wrote this when I was in grade four. I was in a skinny spaceship, flying to another planet, not knowing where I was going. I was really scared. All of a sudden, I heard a loud noise. I saw through the window the spaceship was falling towards the planet Saturn. So I ran to the pilot and asked him what was going on. He then replied, I'm losing control of the spaceship. So I asked him what I could do to help. He yelled, hold on, we are going to crash. There was a big crash (laughs) as we landed on the planet Saturn. I pushed the steel door open and walked onto the planet Saturn. After trying to to fix the spaceship, which I really couldn't, I began to look around. After all, I was going to be here for quite a while. So I began to look around. First, I went to look at a store that was right across from where we had crashed. I went inside. When I looked in, I knew it was a candy store. I looked all around it. Finally, I got bored. So I decided to take a walk. So I walked and I walked until I came to a sort of fluffy road. I wanted to see what kind of houses it had, so I walked straight ahead. But 
I did not see anything, except for a sort of cloud person. All I did was walk past him, and he grabbed me, and, it, and he ran really fast to his spaceship, carrying me. Well, when we went into the spaceship, he explained that he had no friends, and he thought it would be really a, I would be a really good friend. I was shocked for a minute, but then I replied, I don't have any friends either. So how about we be friends? The alien then replied, okay. <laughs> well, I never did get back to Earth, but I got something better. I got a new friend. Aww. So the second one is called Icy Water's Bad Day. I think I really enjoyed eating ice cubes at the time, so I was a weird kid. Grade two. My name is Icy Water. My person was sucking me. She also was shaking me. I didn't like it one little bit. Imagine going up and down and then being smashed into little pieces. I felt like I was going to be a squashed banana. Next thing I knew, I was water. Well, here I am in her tummy, the end. Thank you. I love a story with an abrupt ending. That was great. Also, Saturn sounds much more hospitable than I was taught in school. That was lovely. When Hannah was 14, she kept a diary, a private diary that she never intended anybody else to read. And tonight, she's going to share what she describes as a very embarrassing entry that has to do with some of her first feelings of romance and drama. Please welcome Hannah to our stage. Okay, so this is dated October 7, 2008, so almost exactly 10 years ago. I was right. October did bring good things. I feel serene again. The shopping helped a lot. <laughs> I have to admit, I really like Danny. I've been a romantic lately. I feel like such a stalker. He doesn't even know who I am and his name is in my diary. Creepy much? <laughs> I don't care. I can't deny my own feelings. I'm listening to the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm in love. I don't have a lover, so I guess I could be in love with this diary. <laughs> it's the truth, and I love truth. <laughs> I am so glad to feel good again. It's like being relieved of a plague. What makes me grateful and motivates me to try hardest to preserve my happiness is to think about what happened about 11 days ago. 11 days ago, I didn't make the play in school. 
but that's not it. My mom came to pick me up from the mall after school, and I burst out crying in the car when she stepped out to get the groceries. I just sat there sobbing and yelling out loud at God because I was furious that my prayers were unanswered. (laughs) Thinking back on that makes me feel so good that I'm happy again. (laughs) The phrase, life is full of ups and downs, is 100% accurate. Even my friends are happy for me. They've noticed, I think. I love writing so much. It's been a while, though, since I've written. I hope I'll find inspiration from something. I kind of think I know how being in love feels because of this music. When you're happy, solitary moments can make you find beautiful things. Sometimes you can have the simplest joy and it becomes this ecstasy and it's like you're on this high peak, the highest, where nothing else matters, just your happiness, making you happy and making you, fe- making you fly and it's so beautiful. <laughs> I wish I could just lay here for hours and just bask in happiness. <laughs> No, not happiness. It's not the right word for this moment. Serenity and peace are good words. Music is so helpful. It's a medicine and a healthy addiction. (laughs) Laughter is good. And picturing images that make you joyful. Love, love, love. (laughs) And then I doodled the infinity symbol many times. I want to lay here until it gets dark. I want to wear a long white cotton dress and walk through a field of wet grass. (laughs) While the sky is all sorts of colors, I can't decide between sunrise and sunset for my bangs to be carefully thrown back and for my hair to be in a messy bun. And I want to roll around smiling and laughing and just stare into space and heaven and the ground and then to twirl and run. (laughs) And then there's more infinity symbols. (laughs) It's just so beautiful. It's almost dark outside. I took a sketching break and tried to draw my vision. I'm going to lie down until it's dark. No writing, just the moment. I can't let this rush fade. Thank you. (laughs) One more time for Hannah. Joining us on stage right now, Lauren is going to share... Some selections from her high school diary. I asked Lauren what these diary entries were about, and she said, liking boys, having a crush, and she says, what a loser she felt like at the time. Please welcome Lauren to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids stage. A quick heads up, Lauren uses a few cuss words in her diary, which we do not bleep. January 1st, 1999. Okay, update. Well, lastly I wrote in here was about Mike, and since then, nothing has happened. Except you all know Alicia, my friend. She really is. Well, she just happens to love Mike as well. So as she said a couple of weeks ago, 
it's war. And so, it fucking has been. So first off, the weekend we all got off school, we were gonna go to a dance at Holy Name of Mary. So this is when I actually really realized Alicia wants to go for him. So we went to the dance, all fucking drunk, of course. Except Mike wasn't, so I never really talked to him. But after the dance, which by the way, sucked my fat ass, we went back to my friend Rebecca's house to get even more fucking hammered. So now everyone's plastered, including Mike. And I talked to him a little bit, but he and Alicia were of course all over each other. Not making out, although they were pretty fucking close. But supposedly, Mike didn't let anything happen. So then I thought everything was all good. Wrong. I'm so fucking naive and have nothing else to fucking think about. Anyway, so after that night, which wasn't too pleasant, even though I had a nice talk with my friend Gary, I threw up my dinner the next morning. <laughs> I think I was drunk. So the first part of the night was all right. I was buzzing for a while and Mike was being really nice to me. He was drunk, of course. We were reading this book and laughing and stuff. Now, I don't know what his intentions were for going to Bob's house, but he was with Alicia mostly the entire night. Now, when I saw that, I knew what was eventually gonna happen sometime that night. And it did. We're talking about Alicia here and that bitch gets what she wants. So sometime after midnight, the two drunken idiots went off somewhere. I didn't find out until later that they were both in the bedroom making out. I did wish Mike a happy new year, although with no mouth-to-mouth -mouth contact. <laughs> Alicia even knows that I like Mike, but that doesn't seem to stop her. It would be the exact same deal if I were to be in Alicia's place and she were in mine, which is why I would never try to start anything between him and I, because to me, friends are more important than any guy. But obviously, my so-called friend doesn't think so. Now, I'm in no way saying that she doesn't have the choice to do this. I don't own Mike. I've never had him, and I probably never will have him. They can do whatever they want. But the fact that she would brag about it to me when she fucking very well knows that I like him a lot, which is exactly what she did. Even though Mike was pretty fucking wasted, which probably had a bit to do with the situation, I don't think he would have done it if he didn't want to. Unless he's just a fucking horny bastard, and Alicia... <laughs> And Alicia was the only one there that was slutty enough to do anything with him. I could have very well done the same thing, but I'm not like that. I don't just throw myself at any guy that I want. Now, if the situation came about, I may have made out with Mike, but after we set our priorities straight. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just can't do that to whoever and wherever I want, unless I'm really drunk, which I wasn't last night. Anyhow, I don't want to seem bitter because it's not the end of the world. Mike can like whoever he wants, but that man deserves a lot better than the trash he was with last night. <laughs> I mean, Alicia's my friend and everything, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but she treats guys like fucking dirt, and I know Mike deserves someone a lot better, even if it's not me. I don't want to see a really sweet guy unhappy and get hurt by a bitch. <laughs> I just hope that he realizes what he's getting into before it's too late. Maybe I'm gonna be alone forever. Thank you.
And the grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. F-bomb award of the night goes to Lauren, everybody. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Royal Cinema in Toronto in partnership with the Word on the Street Festival and was produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. Special thanks this time to David and Maya at The Word on the Street. Many of the readers at our Toronto show were featured authors at the 2018 Word on the Street Festival in Toronto, and they continue to write as adults. I have put links to their work in the episode notes, which should be on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. Top of the page, I wrote, this was a marvelous experience, and then crossed it out.